spooky, 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 spooky. Welcome. Yeah, you got it. Welcome to spooky, spooky. We got it because <laughs> we're continuing our Halloween month here at Pick a Little, Talk a Little, the podcast where we talk about musicals and during the month of October, apparently talk about scary musicals. There aren't a lot of scary musicals and they don't tend to be very good. No. Uh, I, as always, am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz, and we have a special guest with us today. Uh, well, I'm actually in every episode, um, so I'm not really a special guest. I'm Rachel. I'm the producer. Yeah, so Rachel Jacobs is our producer, and she's here today because we're trying something a little bit different. Usually I talk to someone who really likes a musical, and I'm like, I like a musical, and then they're like, I like a musical, and then we have a chat about it. But there are some musicals I like that no one else seems to care about. So <laughs> this is not one of those musicals, but I think it's a good place to to experiment this kind um, of is one of those musicals, though. Well, so what is what is our second Halloweeny musical for October, Rachel? Oh, uh, so we're doing Carrie the musical. If you've never heard of it, it is what you think it is. It is Carrie based on the Stephen King novel Carrie. And if you think that was a bad idea for your musical, you're probably right. You're probably right, but you don't know much about it. So I know nothing about it. I'm going it. to be mansplaining. I am to you. a big Stephen King fan, though. I actually I've read. A few of his longer stories, I read all the Dark Tower and like some of the related stuff, and I read uh, Salem's Lot. I haven't read a lot of his longer horror fiction. Because Isn't Carrie his... his first novel? No, his first novel is Salem's Lot. Carrie's his second, I think, then maybe Christine. I'd also like to do something we haven't done on the podcast before, which is actually issue trigger warnings, which is funny because this musical is stupid and ridiculous <laughs> but we are going to be talking about uh child abuse and bullying mm. and a brief mention of rape and lots of violent stuff so and pig's blood and pig's blood it's grody so last episode we also talked about how i'm a fraidy cat and i get easily scared by things carrie the musical does not scare me it's a bummer but i am not scared of it the scariest thing about carrie is honestly the background so we all know the 1974 Stephen King novel, and then there was a 1976 film. So now we have Carrie the Musical. It originally came out on Broadway in 1988. Earlier that year, it had a London sort of tryout. So the music is by Michael Gore, who is, fun fact, Leslie Gore's brother. Leslie Gore? As in, it's my party and I'll oh cry God. if I want to. Yeah. Your fa I was going to say does, your does favorite. Does the music too. sound like that? <laughs> we'll get to that. The lyrics are by Dean Pitchford. The book is by Lawrence D. Cohen. Lawrence D. Cohen also actually adapted Carrie into the screenplay of the film, Carrie. Here's the interesting thing. Hey, who are Dean Pitchford and Michael Gore? Like, who are they? They have an Oscar because they wrote the song Fame together. Does Carrie the Musical sound like that? The original version, kind of, and this is our starting problem. And here's the interesting thing. Michael Gore hasn't done much else in his career. Dean Pitchford is a very successful songwriter. He also co-wrote songs including Holding Out for a Hero, Footloose, and from the Lizzie McGuire movie, What Dreams Are Made Of. So it seemed like a good idea, like, hey, these guys had written fame together they had an oscar for it the original production of this show is very fame involved debbie allen the great 
Broadway performer uh, choreographed this and she was involved with fame. One of the actors from the movie fame was in the original Broadway cast. So imagine if you did a show today that was like the cast and creative team of Glee, essentially. Anyway, so the show from the get-go had problems. There were constant rewrites. Barbara Cook, who was in the London production as Carrie's mom, almost was almost killed by a flying set piece. The fake blood kept gumming up Carrie's mic the actor playing Carrie's mic and like made it hard for people to hear her for the rest of the show. So they transferred it to Broadway and it cost like seven, eight million dollars to transfer to Broadway, which was a lot at the time. This was the Spider-Man turn off the dark of its day because it was really expensive and it was so troubled. Essentially, uh, the show was selling pretty well, but this was a very different era Um, when critics had more power and it was so critically panned that the backers pulled their cash and it closed after 16 previews full preview run and five regular performances on broadway five five that's less than american psycho some new york times quotes surely someone must have found stage blood poor scene or human that doesn't look like strawberry ice cream topping (laughs) <laughs> the intended Stephen King pyrotechnics wouldn't frighten the Mai Tai drinkers at a Polynesian restaurant. Or, only the absence of antlers separates the pig murderers of Carrie from the moose murders of Broadway lore. Moose murders is considered the worst flop in Broadway history. And so here's what happened, is a few years ago, a bunch of folks got around, writers of the show, and they said, I don't think it was really that bad. I think we should give it another shot. And they gave it serious rewrites, and MCC mounted it off-Broadway in 2012. And it has since played, like, London and L.A. Like, it's been making the rounds and, I guess, starting to gradually, I guess, work up towards a profit. What I will say about Carrie is the original is a complete disaster, and the reworked version is just not particularly good. But luckily, I like musicals that are bad, because they're still musicals. So... I know the score really well, particularly the off-Broadway new score. I have watched on YouTube bootlegs of both the 2012 version, I Don't Care, You Can't Make Me Feel Guilty, and the London version. In general, what we're going to be doing is going off the off-Broadway version, including lyrics, which suffice to say have only improved. Not only is the off-Broadway version more accessible, but that's the one that if you want to perform in your regional theater nowadays, that's what you're going to be performing. All right, so let's get started. Uh, how does how does it start? Well, the off-Broadway version adds a framing device. And the framing device is we meet one of our main characters, Sue Snell, who is being interrogated by cops. Su- the actor playing Sue Snell is literally the only person in the entire cast who doesn't die over the course of the show. That sounds like a Stephen King book, yeah. The people interrogating Sue Snell are also actors who have died, who die on later in the show. So Sue is a teenager living in, guess where? Guess where she lives? Is it Maine? It's Maine. Uh, <laughs> because that's where... That's that, where Stephen King lives. It's like and a it's nostalgia critic. The people all live in Maine. You know there's nowhere else to live. They're interrogating Sue about something. And they're saying, tell us about the event. And she's a wreck. And they're being really mean to her. And they're saying, we just want to understand what happened. And it's like, ooh, what happened? Let's find out. So now we get this framing device. I'm not, I guess it serves a purpose because it allows us to have Sue as narrator. So we start with the song In, uh, which in the original Debbie Allen choreography is a gym class where essentially girls are jazzercising. <laughs> is this is the uh, 70s? It's not specified, 
we'll get to that a little bit. Um, modern versions sometimes say, oh, and the girls have cell phones. You know, uh-huh. it's supposed to be anytime, any town, USA, uh-huh. Maine. So In is a song I actually really like. Also, the arrangements in the original, they all sound like pop songs from fame. fame. And the problem is when we get pop song writers writing a musical, don't don't write pop music for a musical. They're different mediums. Also, the off-Broadway production is, like, deliberately super dark. Like, there's, like, very low stage lighting. So, In is a song about how teenagers just want to fit in in high school, and it's the only important thing, and they're all being all dark about it. So, this show also does interesting things with the voices of teenagers. The song has lyrics like, I don't worry if I blow my SATs. I worry what can I possibly do to squeeze in. And someday, if I don't stand out one bit, oh, someday I may be normal enough to fit in. Listen, we were both, like, reasonably weird in high school, but not, like, the freak in high school. I don't remember anymore. Teenagers don't act like that. The important thing in high school is to, like, make friends. People want to fit in. The song's not about... People want to fit in. Song saying perfect clothes, nose, the perfect skin, face. Maybe most of what I know about teenagers is from movies and not from my own actual childhood. That's the thing is that I <laughs> we went we both went to small private schools, and I remember asking friends from public school, "Is that what it's really like in public school? Are the cheerleaders the popular ones, and do they like push kids into lockers?" And they were like, "No." <laughs> so I don't know if this was ever true, but regardless, Carrie is already perpetuating a falsehood. Then the Broadway production has Dream On, which is a not good song that is redundant and essentially the same thing as In, but all the girls are naked in the shower. Musically, how is it? Is it poppy like fame? Yeah, it's poppy. Every single song not sung by Carrie's mother in the original version is poppy. Mm. Also, it seems to be a really small high school where there's like 10 kids in the entire class. It's Maine. I buy it. So... We meet our main character, Carrie White. Carrie White is the weird girl. She's specifically the weird, super religious Christian girl who, like, wears baggy, form-hiding clothes, doesn't have any friends, doesn't talk to anyone, and everyone constantly makes fun of her. And so after gym class, Carrie starts freaking out in the shower at gym. And she's freaking out because she's bleeding. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The Stephen girls... King is writing about this? Stephen King, what do you know? And I have a friend who's written paper about uh, female adolescent body narratives and fiction. And if we want to press this, there's some quote-unquote problematic stuff about a metaphor for women hitting puberty as dangerous. Let's just put that aside because this is a silly musical. <laughs> um, so the girls start making fun of Carrie, and Carrie is freaking out and like thinking she's dying. And their gym teacher, Miss Gardner, shows up. And breaks it up, and Carrie is, like, crumpled up on the floor a mess. And they realize that Carrie's never had her period before, even though she's 17, and doesn't know what it is. So Miss Gardner is comforting Carrie, and a light bulb explodes, which is, ooh, how'd that happen? No one thinks anything of it. No one thinks anything (laughs) of it. And we also, in particular, meet Chris, who is Sue's best friend and an awful person. Like, she has a song about what an awful person she is. It's wonderful. Okay. Um, she's she's a popular chick, and Sue is really nice, but for some reason they're best friends, and Sue participates as much as anyone else in making fun of Carrie and getting her to freak out. And then Carrie sings the song Carrie, 
which is another song that I actually think is great. It starts with her belting out, that's not my name. And then she starts freaking out because no one calls her her name. They all call her mean nicknames. Carrie is a fascinating song. Um, the original version had it more had it more about her liking boys. Unimportant. This one, it feels very much like The Wizard and I for a couple of reasons. Mostly because Carrie has this desire that one day everyone will know her name. And she says things like, my name is like the sound of distant thunder, the color of flame, and it's things that sound very exciting, but for people who know what happens at the end of the musical say, oh, this sounds violent and destructive. And it's supposed to be, you know, ironic that way, sort of like the wizard and I when mm -hmm. she goes, oh, one day people will scream when they see me. So Carrie says weird things like, I am a song of endless wonder that no one will claim. And these are weird lyrics. So what the hell does that mean? I think that it actually does great service to building Carrie as a character and the way she speaks and thinks. I think they did it by accident, <laughs> but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And what Carrie, how this helps characterize Carrie, have you ever noticed that children sort of speak in really corny language that they don't sort of consider as being kind of awkward and like they just speak in purple prose when they talk about their feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Carrie is a 17-year-old who's still talking like a 10-year-old because she has no friends. Okay. So that that is how I read the character, and that's what I find is really, really interesting. It's taken her a while to grow up. So Carrie goes home, and we meet her mother, Margaret, who is either just singing alone or listening to the radio, depending on the production. It makes more sense to have it be a radio program. Singing the song, Open Your Heart, which is a Christian hymn. It's fine. Open your heart to the lord like, open your heart let jesus in yes yeah <laughs> to answer my question yes right carrie gets home her mother is like sing the song with me and the two of them have a cute little duet about christianity and as we're going to see carrie's mother is both a religious fundamentalist and also abusive when carrie gets home margaret is very affectionate towards her and you see they are the only people in each other's lives, really. It's just the two of them. So Carrie tells her mother what happened at school. Carrie's mother is, first of all, totally not interested in listening to the fact that Carrie was bullied. She just tells her, you know, suffering is the Lord's will. People who are different are special. Don't listen. You're not like the other girls. Don't listen to them. And Carrie says, well, I got my period. Why didn't you tell me that was a thing? And her mom immediately does a 180 and sings the kind of awesome song, And Eve Was Weak, which is a song where her mother explains to her the concept of original sin. Carrie starts freaking out. Her mom shoves her in this sort of makeshift sanctuary in like the closet of the cellar and sings about how Carrie is a woman now and clearly she got her period because she sinned and her body is starting to lust after men. It's super messed up and it's a really fun song that's the only part that i know from the movie also there's a whole scene of like her mother yelling at her that eve was weak yeah uh, she's like shoved in the corner yeah it's even a fairly well written song i'm trying to walk a balance of not making fun of the show too hard when it's bad and not praising it for not being bad mm -hmm. but you know what this is this is a good song margaret gets some crazy awesome notes to hit and we sort of now see that this has been happening before and that Carrie lives with this mother who they claim, oh, I love you, and that they're super affectionate, that if Carrie puts a toe out of line, her mother can become violent and 
I, I have think, a question yeah. about the characterization. Did her mother like expect her to never have her period? She was Pretty never much. thinking about this. She Pretty was much. like, oh, she's 15. She hasn't had her period. She probably she's will like, never have her period. Therefore, she's fine. Well, her mom's thought was, I've raised my daughter to be a good Christian and free from sin. Essentially, she thought if she, if she and Carrie prayed hard enough and stayed pure enough, that Carrie just would not hit puberty. It's not how it works. Yeah. I know that. And you know that. And Carrie knows now knows that because Miss Gardner took her aside and explained the birds and the bees to her. So Carrie is trying to insist to her mother, this isn't a sin. I didn't do anything wrong, which is probably one of the first moments of like resistance against her mother that Carrie has really done. Then what happens? Also, this mean kid is on a skateboard, Chris's boyfriend, Billy, and the skateboard goes out from under him when he's mean to Carrie. And it's like, ooh, that's sign number two. When did that happen? That happened like a scene ago. It wasn't important. Um, Chris throws a party. Carrie's not there, obviously, but everyone else is. She insinuates that I think she says that she got into Brown University, which for a stereotypical mean girl from Maine, Brown? Really? I don't know. Anyway. So in the original Broadway production, there was this was a song called Don't Waste the Moon, which was about hooking up at the drive-in. It sounds like it's from Greece. It's very much like a cut song from Greece too. And it's actually a really fun song. It just serves no purpose and has no place in the musical. So instead we have the way better song, The World According to Chris, which is a really good song where Chris and Sue are sort of arguing about their treatment of Carrie and Sue is beginning to feel bad. And Chris sings a song about how when you're better than other people, you can just step all over them. It's like an amazing villain song. It's really fun. There's some stupid lyrics, like the fact that her boyfriend is singing this verse about how he beat up a gay kid at school, and he describes him as a good-looking guy. This is troubling. <laughs> yeah. One year there was this good-looking guy. Uh, but in the song, Sue takes her boyfriend, Tommy, aside and says, I don't like who I've become and what I did to Carrie. This is what makes Sue an amazing, interesting character. You get kids like Chris in media all the time of the stereotypical mean kid with no remorse. And you even get kids like Carrie who are the weird victim who sometimes it's the revenge fantasy. You never see anyone like Sue. Sue is a popular kid who has the emotional maturity and intelligence to recognize that she's doing a bad thing and do everything she can to fix it. What she does to fix it ends up being totally stupid and it's and it completely backfires. What I don't understand is why she and Chris are best friends. There's no way Chris became mean five minutes ago and there's no way you became nice five minutes ago. Chris explains in this awesome fun song about how it's fun to step on people. Sue realizes that she has to stop what's happening to her. So meanwhile, back to Carrie, who's still locked in the closet in like the cupboard under the stairs or whatever. Like R. Kelly. She doesn't pull out her Beretta though. There are, there are no guns in this musical. I mean, this is essentially a school shooting musical with no guns. Ugh. I mean, anyway, Carrie is locked in the prayer closet. Um, prayer closet? It's called like the sanctuary, but essentially it's a closet with like a big crucifix and a picture of Jesus on the wall. Okay. They are a super messed up household. And as we get to this song, Evening Prayers, we get another side of their toxic relationship. So Margaret is singing about how if Carrie leaves her, then she'll be all alone because she has no friends. And meanwhile, Carrie, like, kind of makes a crucifix levitate or something. This is number three thing that she has done that suggests that, spoiler alert, she's developing telekinesis because that's what happens when you hit puberty and start getting your period. I have so many questions about, like, why her mom is a, the only fundamentalist Christian in 
all of Maine, why they don't have a church group or anything. Like, yeah, you would think that, like, the they literally just have the two of them. Like, you could move to an area that has, like, a population of people like Well, you. because here's the thing. It's hard to extricate the religious fundamentalism from the abusiveness. But the fact of the matter is she's both. I don't think you are going to find a church anywhere where they're going to full-on punish someone and tell them they're damned because they start their period maybe right. i'm being naive i mean though she does at one point get start giving out christian pamphlets so she must have gotten those somewhere i know I anyway know. and in the song um and they say we have no one except each other and i love you so much and it's very upsetting because it doesn't feel like a reconciliation it feels like the start of the next cycle mm-hmm. in this in this abusive relationship and people everyone at school knows carrie is the weird christian girl with the weird christian mother but I don't think any of them really know what's going on. Would any of them do anything if... Anyway. Well, I think... you. So here's what's interesting is as we will get to, Carrie's teacher, Miss Gardner, cares very much about her. There are some people in this musical who have good impulses and some who have bad ones. And it all ends poorly. So in English class the next day, the English teacher tells Tommy, that Sue's boyfriend, the popular boy, to read a poem that he wrote. Which is called Dreamer in Disguise, which is such a stupid song, and I'm not counting it for worst lyrics because it just feels like a bad poem a high school student would write. It begins with, an eagle's just another bird until he can spread his wings. I don't know if we as an audience are supposed to think it's beautiful or dumb. I'm reading it as he's a dumb high school student writing a dumb poem, and Carrie is like, that was beautiful. And then the class makes fun of her. This isn't from the book or the movie? It's like made for the musical? I believe so. Okay. I don't know. They want to give Tommy something to do. So Sue tries to apologize to Carrie and Carrie freaks out at her and yells at her. Oh, why? Well, Sue, she doesn't really, because she's associated Sue with the girls who bully her. She can't even get it out. Sue's trying to talk to her and she goes, so about the other day, I just wanted to say, and Carrie like cuts her off and is like, haven't you people done enough? And like storms off. And Sue sings a song, Once You See, which is a very pretty song about how she's never really thought of Carrie as a person before. Now that Carrie has gotten angry, she really, really feels bad. So Miss Gardner decides that she's going to make the girls apologize to Carrie. And she gathers up all the girls who assaulted Carrie in the locker room and says, you have to apologize or you're not going to prom. And all the girls apologize, mostly begrudgingly, Sue wholeheartedly, except for Chris, who can't do it and refuses to apologize and teases Carrie. So Miss Gardner says Chris can't go to prom. And Chris and Sue fight about it. And Carrie goes to Miss Gardner and says, well, first of all, this is Miss Gardner's first mistake, is lining up the girls and saying, you have to apologize to Carrie it was well-intentioned, but a mistake. First of all, because now Chris is blaming and Carrie for the fact she can't go yeah. to prom. Exactly. And also because, like, Carrie is just being fully further humiliated. Yeah. Carrie also tells Miss Gardner, you have to let these girls go to prom. Prom is the most important thing for them. And Miss Gardner's like, what about you? And Carrie's like, I'm not going to prom. And Miss Gardner sings the song, Unsuspecting Hearts, which is a really bad song unsuspecting hearts yeah is, a, a couple, is it about how like she'll suddenly fall in love at prom yes oh my god it is exactly <laughs> what it is that is literally what it is you figured it out um and it sounds not as it much as another terrible. song we'll get to later but it sounds way movie poppy um and i haven't heard it and i hate it right you are correct did you go to prom 
I did go to prom. I didn't have a date. A friend of mine agreed to go to prom with me as a friend when we were freshmen. And then he forgot about it and asked someone else. And I, that wasn't the reason I wasn't going to prom. But I was like, mm, I'm not going to go to prom. The day before prom, the like assistant principal came up to me and she said, you're not signed up for prom. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested in going to prom. But she was like, we want all the seniors to go to prom. One senior ended up not going. And she, I was like, I was like, you know, I'm not interested. She's like, is it the money? I'm like, no. And she's like, just show up at prom. You don't need a ticket. So I was like, you know what? If it's free, then I would just be like making a state. It would just be a protest to stay home. I'm not interested in protesting. And I went to prom and I had a perfectly nice time. And my friend and her date semi-adopted me as their third date. We went to the after party. That was the rule. The after party was no drugs or alcohol. And I like went to sleep like before everyone else after hanging out in the pool. What about you? Did you go to prom? Um, so this isn't typical of all yeshivas. So um, keep that in mind. Um, so I went to a, a modern Orthodox Yeshiva day school. So we didn't even have prom. But there was always a quote unquote secret prom. Right. Um, the info about it was circulating around like via email to all the seniors. I did have a date to prom. It was my friend Max. This was like a friend date. Oh, I remember him. My the principal found out. Not that he didn't know. You know, there must. There's no way that he didn't know about it to begin with. Um, so he sent another email around to all the parents saying that oh, there's this secret prom and there's going to be alcohol there. My dad was like, "You're not going to prom if there's alcohol because I don't want teenage drunk drivers being around you." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" But. I didn't go to prom. Instead, my prom date and I just hung out at his house and we watched uh, The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> uh, Speaking of Stephen King, holy shit. I was going to say, isn't that <laughs> Because the prom narrative is overdone and stupid, is the point. And the fact that she's quote unquote going to find her like soulmate at prom, especially since there's, what, 10 kids in the class and all of them seem to be, have been hooking up already. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Once you share that first hello, that's how it starts. Two unsuspecting hearts. Oh my god. Is is this part of the book? I like I can't imagine Stephen King would write something so cheesy. Mm. So meanwhile I'm a bad Stephen King. So fan. we next get probably my favorite song in the whole show, which is Do Me a Favor, which was in the original production. A lot of these songs are added. This one was not, but in the original production, it's orchestrated, weird, it's slow. I think everyone's wearing like spandex bodysuits or something. I'm not really sure what's going on. It's this like weird, slow, sexy dance number that doesn't make any sense. What's the context? There isn't really one. It's just people talking about prom. It's called Do Me a Favor because Sue and Chris are asking their respective boyfriends for help in respect to what they want to do to Carrie. So the song actually does some clever things, props to you, where... Chris and Sue sing the same lyrics at the same time, meaning completely different things. Like, we can both give Carrie White a night she won't forget. Chris asks Billy to help her get revenge. And Sue asks Tommy that instead of taking her, Sue, to the prom, he should take Carrie to the prom. And Tommy is like, no way. And she's like, no, okay, I'll figure something else out. I just need to fix this. And she's so fixated that he goes, fine, I'll do it. How is that going to help her? He has a girlfriend. Right. So this is he my question. He could just question. like dance with her at prom. Let's say everything goes the way it's supposed to. Let's say Chris did not plan revenge. Let's say Tommy takes out Carrie and they have a lovely night at prom. What happens the next day at school? How does Carrie, like, I know that Carrie's in her own world. Does she not know that Tommy and Sue are like super serious? She's, we'll get to that when he asks her out, she's suspicious, but she doesn't, 
I don't know. But she ultimately gets one over. What is supposed to happen? Like, eventually, Carrie's going to find out that he took her out as a pity date, and she's going to feel really bad. Meanwhile, Carrie uh, goes to the school library to look up the word telekinesis. Like, they got to spell it out for us. So she's, like, sitting there being like, telekinesis, the ability to move objects with one's mind. And it's like, oh, that's what's been going on. And she, like, moves a chair with her mind. And it's like, oh, my God, Carrie's telekinetic. Shocker. Tommy tries to talk to Carrie. She runs off. So Tommy follows Carrie home to ask her to prom. And Carrie says no. She says, I don't like being tricked. She says, why would you ask me? He goes, I don't know. You liked my poem, which is a good enough reason. And meanwhile, Margaret is calling Carrie and Margaret and Carrie knows that if Margaret sees a boy at the door, she will be in huge trouble. So she partly says yes. She says yes because she wants to, but also just to get him out of the way so that she doesn't get in trouble. She goes inside and Carrie announces to her mother um, in the song, I remember how those boys could dance, that she's going to prom i remember how those boys could dance this gets weird okay <laughs> carrie says mama i'm going to prom and she's sub- uncharacteristically confident about it i mean she's having a good day she figured out she's telekinetic and a cute boy asked her to prom so carrie is like this nice boy is gonna take me to prom saturday night and we'll be home by midnight to which her mom sort of gets sucked back in time to when she was with boys, and I remember how those boys could dance. They were demons of romance, Rachel. Is Isn't that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? Bad, because boys equal sin, etc. So the, the, this song isn't particularly bad. It's fine. And Margaret starts very graphically like talking about when Carrie's father seduced her, which is a super weird thing to do in front of your daughter, and you sort of... And Carrie says, that's not going to happen to me. And Margaret says, essentially says that she was raped by Carrie's father, which which is why she makes her entire life just about her and Carrie and staying pure and free from sin and keeping Carrie the same way. But at the end of the song, there's an awesome moment where Carrie slams shut the windows because the rain is getting in with her telekinetic powers and reveals her abilities. And Margaret starts freaking out and calling her a witch, of course. And Carrie sings this great line where she's just very calmly is like, I am not afraid of you at all. And then she says, nothing you can say or do will ever stop me again. And then Margaret's like cowering in a corner and Carrie just sits down and eats her dessert and like has some pie. And like that's finale act one. And it is is pretty cool. (laughs) So act two, I am bound to tell you that the opener on Broadway was called Out for Blood and was an entire song and dance number about killing a pig that had some weird messed up stuff about pig's blood and women, like menstruation blood being gross. So Out for Blood is a terrible, terrible song. It's very, sounds very Lord of the Flies. Yeah, so what the song does is it says, uh, we're going to kill a pig and gather up its blood. Instead, they fold it into the replacement song, which is A Night We'll Never Forget which is everyone sings about getting ready for prom, like Carrie is trying to learn how to use makeup and Sue is nervous about Tommy going to prom without her and Chris and Billy are killing a pig and they like, they like make out in pig's blood. It's kind of gross. Meanwhile, Miss Gardner is talking to the principal because everyone knows what's going on. She goes, Tommy is taking Carrie to prom. 
I think Sue put him up to it, and I think that it's some kind of uh, bullying tactic. And also, Chris hasn't been hasn't acted mad about being banned from prom, and that worries me too. So Miss Gardner is trying to be on top of it, but like she's wrong. Oh, so earlier she's not wrong about the second part. Essentially, something else that goes wrong is Miss Gardner making a bad judgment call again. Uh, earlier in the musical, Carrie's mother comes in for a meeting with Miss Gardner and the principal about Carrie being bullied. And she essentially tells them, the end of days is coming. I'm a Christian lady. And they're like, this lady's for bananas. Uh, but then she also actually has this one moment where she says, you know, if you say your kids are so good, then why did this happen under your watch to my daughter? And she actually kind of steps up as a parent for like half a second before lapsing back into the Christian rant stuff. Oh, well. Um, so Miss Gardner confronts Tommy and Sue and says, like, don't hurt Carrie. That's another thing is in the original musical, it insinuates that all the kids know that Sue forced Tommy to take Carrie to prom then why don't they just tell Carrie to make fun of her Tommy and Sue sing you shine which is a song about how much they like each other and they have their little sort of pretend prom moment where they dance alone in the gym because they won't get to go to prom and it's a cute enough song it's pretty bland and it scene sounds exactly like a song that would play over credits rolling at the end of a movie we are the solo saxophone that's kind of what it sounds like actually and there was a cut song from the original Broadway song that's not bad that's called It Hurts to Be Strong where Sue sings about how she's bummed that she has to do the right thing and it's difficult but she's doing the right thing and it's nice and I like Sue but the song, it could have gone. Um, then, so in the original version, this is the one thing I'm mad they cut. So the original musical, everyone's like, it wasn't campy enough. It was silly, but not campy. The one campy number is called I'm Not Alone, where Carrie's getting ready for prom. And she telekinetically like makes her prom shoes tap and then dances with her prom dress that she's levitating. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And it's actually really cute and really fun. And it was one of the only numbers of the show anyone considered any good. But this is a super serious off-Broadway revival with dark lighting. And we take everything seriously and no jokes are allowed. So instead, we have the song Why Not Me, where Carrie is singing that she's nervous for prom. And it's a lovely song. She wasn't singing in the song where they were getting ready for prom about how she was nervous for prom. They have another song about how she's nervous for prom. Yes. Oh my god. Which I guess the song is better, but like I really miss. How many songs do you need for pretense before the prom? There's a lot of. <laughs> to be fair, this prom is very climactic. It's worth the build up. They also cut the song "What a Night," another which was a, also similar. Like, hey, it's gonna be prom song that isn't that has <laughs> oh since god. been cut. Like the new prom song has more exposition and is not just kids singing. Prom is important, which is "What a Night." <laughs> Margaret tries to, who's terrified of Carrie, tries to sing Stay Here Instead, where she sings a song. She says, Carrie, don't go to prom. If you stay home with me, we'll laugh and we'll talk and I'll sing. And it's like, oh, my God, that is the only thing you two have ever done for fun for 17 years. Sing. sing it's, like, it's like sit around and like sing and just talk, which her mom tries to stop her. And Carrie's like, I don't want to fight you, mama. And it's like, whoa. It's cute because Carrie is just... It's, it's just a girl excited. No, I'm saying it's that's not cute. It's cute that Carrie is just a girl excited for prom. Like she has, she's discovered she has telekinesis and she can do anything she wants, and all she wants to do is go to prom. That is, is that she is that she is her plan isn't revenge. Her plan is I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have a night. I'm gonna be a normal person. She makes her own dress. She figures out how to like put on makeup. Carrie leaves and Margaret sings when there's no one. Okay, so the song is about Margaret sings things like, "Who will hold me?" 
like essentially like without Carrie, I'll be all alone, which is like maybe you shouldn't have put all of your emotional burdens on your daughter who has no friends. In the song, she concludes essentially that she's going to have to kill Carrie. That it's the, it's the only way to save her. And then she and then she won't be alone. Oh, um, my daughter's going off to prom and is not listening to me anymore. And I'm so alone, therefore I have to kill her, so I will 100% be alone. Pretty much. Okay. She's super bummed about it, though. <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, then okay. we get the song Crime Arrival, which is not a lot of, of singing. It's cute. The kids are like, we're at prom. And the kids start liking Carrie because they see – because she looks great. She has nice hair and makeup and a pretty dress and has showed up with the cutest boy to prom. And kids are first kind of wary, which Carrie anticipates – but they get to like her, which is which is nice. And they're like talking to her. They're talking to her. They're chatting to her. She's being a little bit less awkward. Miss Gardner takes her aside to sing a reprise of Unsuspecting Hearts, which is the last thing that I needed. Hang on a second. Miss Gardner sings her Unsuspecting Hearts again. Yeah. Even though she knows that Tommy is Sue's boyfriend. Because because Miss Gardner doesn't want to ruin like she's worried, but she doesn't want to ruin the fantasy of what's going on. That's a- Okay. I don't know. They're doing a lot to protect this girl from stuff that she didn't need protecting from, and you're just making it worse. I know. Carrie's nervous about dancing with Tommy. They finally start dancing. We get the song, and on Broadway, we got the song Heaven, about prom is like heaven, which is aggressively bland. Instead, we get a reprise of Dreamer in Disguise, of his terrible poem, where he and Carrie, like, sing the poem back and forth. So Sue says, I just had had to get to prom to figure it to just to see how it went down. Like I couldn't stay away. And she shows up and she run and they make it clear that the prom queen uh, vote is being fixed by Chris and one of Chris's friends. Sue like figures out what's going on and she tries to warn Miss Gardner. And Miss Gardner says, Sue, I knew you were up to something and physically pushes her out of the building. Good job. Good job, Miss Gardner. Carrie is crowned prom queen. And we get prom climax. For some reason, the kids sing their alma mater, which happens in the original version too. And of all the things to keep, why would you keep the kids singing like what your is, thirty second alma mater? Um, um, what is prom climax about? It's Chris and Billy getting ready to prank Carrie, for lack of a worse word, while Carrie is having a good time. And the kids are singing like we're a prom, so it's just sort of every, it's prom climax because everything is coming to a head. So Carrie is crowned prom queen and the kids and Billy and Chris who have snuck into prom spill blood on her pig's blood a bucket of pig's blood there's a destruction where Carrie sort of sings this like string of little bits of songs as she has her psychotic break you know she sings a little bit of all the songs we've heard her hear as she's like processing what's happened to her and she freaks up and then she straights up murders everyone with her telekinesis um how it's kind of vague. Okay. They just drop dead. Um, she just like kind of makes like no, so fierce. It, it's, so it's insinuated. They just kind of make it look like she's using her telekinesis. She probably starts a fire. She like locks the doors of the gym and sets the gym on fire. So most people, a lot of people like burn to death. Um, she's also, I think, like physically throwing bodies around. Um, and she just straight up murders everyone. In the original uh, story, and I believe the movie too, Tommy actually dies because the bucket hits him in the head and breaks his neck. Sue, who is locked out outside, sees what is happening and follows Carrie home. Carrie like leaves the prom and flees back home and leaves a trail of destruction in her wake. She like destroys most of the town. 
And Carrie goes home and finds her mom and cries to her. She and her mom sing a reprise of the song Carrie, where her mom is comforting her and says it's okay. And then her mom stabs Carrie in the back with a big knife that she was hiding. It's pretty brutal. And Carrie, who's sort of scared and freaks out, stops her mother's heart, which is something that they've also succeeded in making clearer in recent versions of the show. In the original version, her mom just kind of fell over, and you're like, I guess she's dead. In this, like, Carrie, like, puts her hand out, and her mom, like, clutches her heart, and then they play the sound of a heartbeat Heartbeat. slowing. Mm. And then she freaks out. Like, she didn't want to kill her mother. And Sue rushes in and comforts Carrie, and she sings to Carrie a reprise of you shine and Carrie dies in her arms and we go back to the present seeing so Sue then we have epilogue wherein Sue reprises now you see that she realizes that now she really saw Carrie her for who she was and everyone sort of comes back to life you know like be nice to people don't be mean to them because like this could happen and it feels very like cautionary tale and I don't like it so much I think it would have been more powerful with just Sue singing it and then the very last moment of the musical is bringing us back to the beginning where they're beginning to interrogate Sue it's the musical wait so they're just interrogating Sue because she's the only survivor right but nothing happens in the end they're just like okay here's what that's what happened or not like we don't believe you you clearly killed everybody they seem incredulous yeah Sue's Sue's traumatized but okay in the original story so this show it's not i mean it got nominated for a handful of awards in its various incarnations honestly nothing that important i just want to read this last bit of the the novel uh summary on wikipedia sure fictional transcripts of congressional hearings and a final quote white committee oh right it's an epistolary novel it's written as letters At the end, the report concludes that at least there are no others like Carrie, so events like these will not happen again. However, the final document in the book is a cheery letter from an Appalachian woman to her sister, talking about her daughter's telekinetic powers and reminiscing about her grandmother, who had similar abilities. That's a very, uh... Yeah, and and in 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 the remake of the movie, they make it clear other people have telekinesis, and no Tony nominations or wins for Carrie. Of course not. So when thinking about lyrics of this musical, there are essentially no clever, interesting lyrics of this musical, and you all have to go by feeling, because that's what happens when you get pop songwriters to write a musical. That said, so my least favorite lyric, so it's just sort of lyrics that bug me and lyrics that I like. My least favorite lyric is from the song Carrie, which even though I established I really like her sort of silly, childish language, I am a little bit confused by the lyric. I might take a chance. I've always wondered how. Maybe I'll dance and try hard to laugh more than I do now. It sounds weird and it also doesn't quite make sense. And then maybe I'll dance. What? Oh, is this a little supposed to be an allusion to prom or I don't know. I don't think so. My favorite lyric is from The World According to Chris. And it's the interlude where Tommy and Sue are talking about what happened. Uh, Tommy tries to reassure Sue that she didn't really do anything wrong and she was just going wrong with the group. And she says, hey, I was in there too. What came over me was something new. I did things I'd never done before. I don't know. And I really like that lyric because it makes me really like Sue. And it's a really good sort of articulation of what it feels like to go along with a group action that's really bad. Like I said, I think anytime the show has good lyrics, it's by accident. 
But that doesn't mean that there aren't good lyrics. It just means they weren't on purpose. I'm kind of looking at the lyrics now, and I'm like, should I arbitrarily try and pick a lyric that I like? You could, and then we could always cut it. I honorably hate the song Unsuspecting Hearts. That's true. (laughs) However, I did just open the book to the middle because that's just how it falls open. I have the CD book, guys. No big deal. Um, Yeah, it has all of the lyrics. And I found in the song The World According to Chris. So we clobbered Carrie and that's too damn bad. This is why you've got to love my dad. Oh, because Chris is talking about how her dad taught her how to be a jerk. That seems to be the The invoking of the father throughout the song is kind of weird and sporadic. Rachel, thank you for being my victim today. Not not like the any of the various victims of various things we had in this musical. Um, That's not my name. Doesn't anybody ever get it right? Carrie. Why don't they remember I'm Carrie White? Carrie. Thanks for listening to Pick a Little Talk a Little. We're online at P-A-L-T-A-L-Podcast.weebly.com. We're on Facebook at Pick a Little Talk a Little and Twitter at Paltal Podcast. As always, we are edited and produced by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. She's at Twitter as WTFRJK. I am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. You can find me on Twitter, Gabby Gazelowitz, G-A-B-Y-G-E-S-E-L-O-W-I-T-Z. Easy. Please rate us and review us. It really would mean a lot. Email us, paltalpodcast at gmail.com if you want to say hi. All right, thanks. And until next time, and as they say in Follies the Musical, didn't you know, love? Tell me, how could I leave when I left long ago, love? So now, yeah, am I a real Halloweener now? Real oh no, Halloweener. Halloweener. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all learned a valuable <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Don't call it a Halloweener.